Ever since I was a baby, my mother expressed her joy of motherhood and her love for me in many different ways. A particular way consisted in reciting a list of endearments such as mi preciosa, mi linda, mi amor, mi tesoro, mi alegría y consuelo, and many, many more. Loosely translated, they were my cute little thing, my, my precious, my beautiful child, my joy and consolation, the most lovely little, little girl in the world, and more. This list of endearments would always start with the sound of endearment, <laughs> accompanied by a smile, and would end with a most tender look and the question, who loves you so much? The last time my mother was able to recite her list of endearments was the eve of her death. That day, I came from the office to find her heavily sedated as the hospice nurse had given her a shot of uh, morphine. But when I approached her to, to her bed and held her hand, she still managed to say three or four of those endearments. And then that was for the last time. My second experience with a list of names and terms of endearment occurred in Tunisia, of all places. While I was there um, doing a workshop for a, for a week, um, I was taking this bus to go to Tosur, uh, one of the last cities in the south near the Sahara Desert. And so this man approached us in the bus uh, selling these uh, sheets of paper with these like hieroglyphics that look to me. And then I, I understood these were Arabic, um, uh, Arabic symbols. And so not knowing what they contain, I just uh, bought a piece of paper and used it as a souvenir for my trip. So one time a friend of mine who speaks Arabic uh, was visiting and I remembered that piece of paper and I said, maybe you can translate for me those, those um, letters there, those names. And she said, oh yeah, those are the sacred names of Allah. And so she translated one by one and to my surprise, I could understand some of them because I had heard them since I was a child. And so they were so dear to me. With delight, I savored names like Al-Mumin, the giver of peace, Al-Rahim, the merciful, Al-Rahman, the compassionate, Al-Gafur, the all-forgiven, and several others that spoke to me. Later, I realized that how this recitation of these names for Allah were very similar to the litany that I used to recite in Catholic Church, that litany for Mary, the mother of God. And then I felt very sad realizing that when I was a child, I rarely felt comfortable reciting all these names. I had too many doubts about her role as a mother of God, the Virgin, as a mother of God. On the one hand, priests and nuns told us that she was the mother of God, since she was the mother of Jesus, who was himself God. On the other hand, 
they insisted that we could not adore her like we should adore Jesus. Well, the illogical thought of the mother being inferior to the son was disgusting to me. <laughs> How then could I recite this litany, call her the queen of heaven and similar names if she was not really equal to the king? A major experience uh, with names for the holy happened later in seminary where I received an invitation to attend a beautiful, beautiful series of workshops called Rise Up and Call Her Name. Somebody's familiar with that? So this curriculum honoring the feminine side of the divine is an approach to earth-based spiritualities. It is not only exciting, but very enriching culturally and religiously speaking. It promotes ecological awareness and inspires hope by helping those participating change many of the old paradigms about race, about women and nature into new, healthier paradigms. At first, however, I was very reluctant to attend a workshop about the goddess. Although I considered myself quite liberated at the time, Still, all fears of the consequences of deviating from the all-powerful masculine, masculine image of God confronted me. This is very sad, uh, difficult to say, but now I feel ashamed confessing that in my ignorance, I was convinced that anything having to do with the goddess or with um, earth spiritualities was for uh, for people that were backward and simplistic. I was a Unitarian Universalist, no found in this religion, so. For me, the most powerful argument against attending the workshop, however, was that it had taken me years, years to finally erase from my mind the idea, <clears throat> excuse me, that God was a man, or in the image of God, of, of a man with the beard and all the attendant things. Therefore, I did not want to start thinking about the holy as a woman with long hair and other attendant things of a woman, and addressing her with feminine names. I knew, however, that one important challenge that we Unitarian Universalists face is the search for truth and meaning in a responsible and free way. And I said, I am a Unitarian Universalist, and I want to really practice my faith, so I'm going to attend that workshop and see what happens. It was exciting to learn that many women and men in my own Unitarian Universalist religion had already overcome the old patriarchal teachings and provided a loving mother and goddess for themselves. I could do the same, why not? One of the first things that impressed me the most was the staggering amount of names given to the goddess. Somebody here has an idea how many in one book? 11,000, 11,000, according to one account. And another surprise was the qualities expressed by those names. I didn't know, you know, I was accustomed to the litany for Mary, Queen of Heaven, uh, Portacelli, Door of the Heaven, and all of that. But when I realized these names for other goddesses, I was really, really surprised. 
Now, the awareness, awareness of the existence of the goddess and of her different names and attributes in so many cultures around the world has added new dimensions to my spiritual life. It is enriching loving a cosmic mother and in her different manifestations, especially I love her as Hecate, Isis, Kalima, and Kuan Yin. To this day, for me, the best effect from attending Rise Up and Call Her Name was that finally I could accept that as a woman, I was not inferior to any man. Took me years, but this workshop finally, finally convinced me of that. And this has been for me a huge source of interior peace and liberation. Another great effect of this workshop was to learn to honor the feminine side of the divine without thinking that God is a woman or that God is a man. Being able to conceive the holy as divine presence whose qualities are not specific to one sex, yet encompassing both is quite a liberating feeling. Through the years, I have learned many different names with which religions and cultures used to address the divine, which I came to totally despise such names as judge of all mankind, Adonai, man of war, and my absolute pet peeve, guess what? The man upstairs. <laughs> and on a personal level, this is for my, <laughs> for your information, just in case, I absolutely detest people that not know me and they call me sweetie, honey, darling. I, I just cannot warm up to those. I, I don't know why. <laughs> Call me Lilia. <laughs> now, names, names that are profound and give me much to ponder are, among others, name and name. The great silence. The breath inside the breath. Known and known. Spirit of unfolding grace. Beautiful. And some of these names I learned from the singing, the living tradition, from this book. Names that are tender to my heart are those, these two that my mother used often. Dador de todo bien, meaning giver of all gifts. And belleza siempre antigua y siempre nueva. Or beauty always ancient and always new. By experiencing different names for the holy, a major part of my developing theology becomes clear. Just as Meister Eckhart said, we should explore some of, the, of those names given to God, for they reveal much of our own souls. I don't know who the divine is, <clears throat> I couldn't tell you, and I don't care anymore. Not knowing does not deter me from both loving that which I cannot apprehend with my senses and from enjoying giving it beautiful names or loving names. 
It could be that I am living in a fantasy world. Some of you might say, oh my God. This is the minister we are going to vote for. But who cares? Not knowing what the divine is or looks like should not preclude anyone from somehow feeling his presence that although impossible to correctly describe, manifests itself in countless ways. Acknowledging that beloved presence could help us to be less lonely, less tired, less anxious. If, as Meister Eckhart said, we can learn much about our soul by the way we address the divine, naturally by paying attention to the names that other people give to the divine, we can learn to understand different kinds of theologies in action. When somebody calls the divine the man upstairs, man of war, or lord of, this, of his chosen people, they are addressing a patriarchal God that loves war and destruction and that takes sides with a chosen few. When we, as just sang in Bring Many Names, call the mystery warm Father God hugging every child, or all aching God, great with endless care, we are singing of a God that is loving, accessible, and nurturing. When in hymn 31, name and name in this hymnal, we call the holy spinner of chaos, midwife of changes, we are singing of a process theology. Breaking perhaps all molds, we think of God as growing and changing, as a being that not only is evolving itself, but that it also needs our involvement to complete the work of creation and its evolutionary process. Learning about the names and particularly about the origin and true meanings of these names, we find that we find in sacred text and lore is of paramount importance. In these days, as in past eras, there seems to be an all-out war between, for example, those who call the divine Allah and those who call it Yahweh, between those who call it Jesus our Savior and those who call it Mother. Faced with so much misuse of the divine's names, one cannot help but feel uh, fearful and lament. One can also pay attention to the wise and timely admonishment by Hafiz. He says, Dear ones, beware of the tiny gods frightening men create to bring an anesthetic relief to their sad days. We should never forget how much destruction and suffering has been brought to the world by those who create negative and destructive tiny gods. We should mind those who use the names they give to those tiny monster deities to divide and conquer. We should beware also of those who continue giving names and attributes to omnipotent gods and who use those gods to divide, to oppress, and to kill in their names. In the end, though, it really does not matter how many or how pretty or sweet are the names we give to the divine 
or to each other. It does not matter how sweet those names are or how often we recite them. If we don't live our lives according to the meaning and importance of those names, they will be shallow sounds carried by the wind. Just as Kabir, one of the great mystics of the past, said, the parrot gobbles God like a man, but doesn't know God's glory. If you don't touch, if you don't see, what is the use of the name? If we don't see the other, if we can't see the need and pain of those around us, if we don't touch them with our kindness, with our compassion and generosity, what is the use of the name or of the nickname or the sweet things that we say to each other? Likewise, we need to be mindful of our circumstances and of what we can offer when choosing a name for our churches and fellowships. If we call ourselves all souls, and the people who occupy the pews are primarily of one kind of soul, we should, in, we should for integrity's sake, add pertinent qualifiers. Then we can say we are the all souls black, uh, the, the all black souls, souls church, of all white souls church, of all rich soul, uh, souls church. So those who don't belong there don't come to the door and then go living in despair or sad or in disgust sometimes. And this goes for churches, synagogues, synagogues, and mosques. Referring to First Parish, Jeroen Conrad Wright, noted, noted Unitarian Universalist historian, says, a blessed community of memory and hope. Those are words we had heard often in recent years. Thomas Michelson got them from Martin Luther King, and King got, got them from Josiah Royce. I had spent a whole intense week among you, bathed in love and care, and observing carefully if I had been the natural exception because I am candidating and you want to impress me, or if you treat each other honoring the inherent worth and dignity of each other. I had listened to how intensely the majority expressed the vision of diversity, and I had witnessed the profound desire of many to be either included and or inclusive. Now I had a good report. <laughs> Judging by what I saw and felt, I would like to say that to me, First Parish is well on its way to a blessed, a blessed community of memory and hope and also of diversity and joy. If you keep this up, sooner than expected, you will be named by all who have the pleasure to be in your company the first parish in kindness and hospitality. I assure you of that. I began this sermon mentioning my mother's litany of endearments to me. I want to end by saying that when my time to leave this physical world comes, I wish to call upon the beloved presence, addressing it with a last term of endearment, as Rumi said, Dissolver of sugar, dissolve me if this is the time. Do it gently with a touch of a hand 
or with a look. I also wish with all my heart that after I am gone, my children and those I leave behind remember me showering them with a litany of endearments, just as I remember my mother showering me with her litany of sweet names now that she is gone. Let it be.